Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. First of all, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 10 and also Acts chapter 5. John 10 and Acts 5. Of course, we are our subject is 2021, the year of eternal life. And we are finding out what this life is that God is himself and also who he is on the inside of us. John 10, 10 and Acts 5, verses 19 through 20. For a subtitle this morning, it's so who's supposed to be in control here? Okay. John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Then Acts chapter 5, verse 20, well, verses 19 and 20. But when the angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Let me read that 20th verse again. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now, I think by now we should have a better understanding of what Jesus spent so much time talking about when he was here on the earth. He spent a lot of time talking about life. And we find that out in the Gospel of John, and then we take Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we kind of weave John into that, and we see that the theme that was running through what Jesus was talking about to the people is what we call life. It's that Greek word zoe, which means the life of God. That's been God's plan all through the ages. It was in his mind before we ever, ever came about was to share his life and himself with his people. And when man forfeited that in the Garden of Eden, God went to work to do everything to bring life back to man. He told um, his people in, in Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, he, cho- he encouraged them to choose life. He said, I've set life and death before you. And he said, choose life that you and your seed may live. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us that the word is life to those that find it. It's health to all their flesh. We get into the New Testament. We find all of this talk about life. And then we see that the spirit of God is called the spirit of life. We get to the end of the book of Revelation and we're talked to, we talk to about drinking of the water of life freely and eating from the tree of life. So everything in between Genesis and Revelation is about God sharing his life with his people. This is what it's all about, man. So now I want to, as I said, I'm going to drop some nuggets and we're also going to pull some things together that we've been looking at for a while here. There, I was earlier in the week, I was looking at um, a couple of scriptures the Lord brought to mind in 2 Chronicles 7 and Hosea chapter 4. And what we need to realize is that there's so much in the universe that hinges on my people. All right. God is not working and doing stuff by himself. All right. Now, I know the general thinking of the church for a long, long time is that we put God over here, and then we're over here somewhere. And it's not like that. It's God and us, and we're working together with him. Now, you'll notice 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a scripture that a lot of people are familiar with. And um, a lot of times it seems that you know, many are familiar with it when stuff is not going good in the land and not going good in countries. And uh, you know, we, people run to this verse, uh, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. But now notice, he didn't structure this and say, now, if the world comes running to me and they bow their knee to me, 
and confess me as Lord, then I'll heal their land. You say that. He said, if my people. So now my people is very significant. My people. It shows us who and what everything hinges on. My people. If my people are out of order, stuff's going to be out of order in the land. This is very, very important for the people of God to understand. So he, and he, he, he lists four things here that are required of my people. Number one is people have to humble themselves. Okay, humility is a very, very important thing where, where God is concerned. Pride and humility, they just, they, they clash. Humility means that we are willing to submit and subject ourselves to the ways that God would have us to live. It also means that we decide that we're not going to try to be self-sufficient or try to do everything without him. Not that we're not supposed to think, but we're not to be people who want to try to live without God. Put it that way. All right. So we have to humble ourselves. Secondly, he says, and pray. Another Sometimes people don't want to pray because they think they can handle everything on their own. Don't need to, to, to go to the Lord. All right. So they need to humble themselves, pray, seek the face of the Lord. And then then fourth, he said to turn from their wicked ways. You mean God's people can have wicked ways? Yeah, we can have wicked ways. And the wicked ways don't necessarily have to be the sins of the flesh like, you know, we would normally think. But apathy and indifference to divine commands can be wicked ways. Yeah. We don't, we don't want, want think like that a whole lot. But Christian people not being involved in things that they should be involved in. Or not giving heed to divine commands. Here's one that will get everybody. Okay? God said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to how many creatures? Oh, or every creature. Now, how many of God's people are even maybe preaching to one on a daily basis or talking to one? He said every creature. That rolls around in my and revolves around in my meditator all the time. And every time I go out, I'm thinking, now, I don't, oh, when I go out, I don't preach to every creature. But I tell you what, I'm getting closer than I was years ago. I mean, just about everybody I'm running into, I'm putting something in their hands or saying something or encouraging. But he said, Oh, every creature. Can you imagine if everybody in the church just took it upon themselves that every time they went to the store, maybe at least talk to somebody and tell them the good news? <laughs> now, that's a divine command. It wasn't a suggestion from the Lord. He didn't suggest that you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, sit down. No, go. <laughs> he said, go. All right. So apathy and indifference to divine commands can be wicked ways because they're twisted. They're not in agreement with God. All right. Now, that's not to bring condemnation or guilt on anyone, but it's just to make a point. Amen. All right. Now. James 4.17 tells us that he that knows to do good but doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So the sin is not always doing something that's wrong, but if I know what to do that's right and I don't do it, that's a problem. <laughs> All right? Now, Hosea 4.6, here's another my people scripture. Notice God talks to his people. I wish the Lord would talk to me. Well, sometimes we can just read the word and he'll, he'll talk to us. Mm -hmm. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you, that you shall be no priest to me, seeing that you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, it's important in the time that we're living as God's people that we search out knowledge. Knowledge first and foremost of this book we call the Bible. 
This is our handbook for living. And so we need to know what the scriptures are saying so we can live by them. But we also need to know what's going on in the land. We need to know what's going on around us. We need to know what's going on in the world. We need to know some history about the things that have happened before us. We need to know about our bodies. We need to know about the air we're breathing. We need to know a lot of stuff. We need to have knowledge of things. We can't be Christian people and just, you know, walking around, you know, with a halo over our heads. We've got a Bible open, walking down the street, and that's all the knowledge that we're after. No. We need to be searching stuff out. Why? Because we need to learn how to live. Now, he said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, if I'm, I'm riding down the road, and let's just say I'm not paying attention, and there are a, a speed limit signs that, let's say, 40 miles an hour. And, you know, maybe I'm riding down the road. I got my mind on something else. Maybe, no, I ain't. But maybe playing with my cell phone or something. And I'm, you know, I end up going about 55 miles an hour in a 40 zone. And I didn't see any of the signs. And then I hear, woo, 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 woo. And I figure, what's the matter? What's the matter? Pull over. Officer comes and says, uh, sir, did you realize that you were uh, going over the speed limit? Oh, I didn't know. Well, there were signs. All along the road there. <laughs> so it's like, because I didn't know is not an excuse. Now, he might have some mercy on me. He might. But I cannot plead ignorance when there's knowledge around me of how I'm supposed to conduct myself. <laughs> Was I really? I didn't know. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to make sure I got my full armor on later on, okay? Um, You're not going to catch me without my armor on, because if you're coming after me, I'm going to be ready for you. (laughs) Okay, so, but I, 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 and what happens a lot of times in our lives is we, we plead ignorance, but we can't settle for that. We've got to seek and acquire knowledge. And then secondly, we cannot reject the knowledge that comes to us. Oh, boy, that's another story altogether. And that's where a lot of God's people get in problems with, with disobedience. We, 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 God talks to us and says, huh, do that. Walk this way, live this way. And we just say, no, nah, it's not that important. It's a divine command. I can just wink at it. It's no big deal. But see, rejection of knowledge can cause one to forfeit anointing. So, you know, this my people thing is very, 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 very real and very serious. And as the people of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to realize when God says my people, we need to realize how important we are in the plan of God. And by the time we get to the end of this, we're going to amplify that. (laughs) Okay. Now, why did Jesus come? There are Two specific scriptures that we can just point to right quick. One of them is 1 John 3, 8, and it tells us, for this reason or this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. But Jesus, out of his own mouth, said, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but then he said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So he specifically said, I have come so that you could have life, so that we could have Zoe, so that every man could have the life of God. He said, this is why I came. Now, that's not hard, is it? That's not difficult. That's not this big mystery where we got to fast and pray nine days before we find out why Jesus came. He said, I came that you might have the life of God. All right. That does not mean just living forever, but it means having God's life 
on the inside of us. That's why that Greek word zoe is so important. It's absolute life. It's the kind of life that God has. It's the life that he had in himself. And the Bible says he gave it to the son. John 5, 26 tells us that as the father has life in himself, so has he given to the son to have life in himself. And it's that life that he gave to us because he said, if you have the son, you have life. It's that life he said that the world has been alienated from because of the blindness of their hearts, the ignorance and the darkness that's in them. And it's that life he said, I came to restore man to that life. This is the most important thing in the word. It's the theme that runs all the way through it. And there are other things that are hanging off of this that go with, along with it that are, that are important. Now, I'm going to read a portion to you from this book, Christ the Healer, chapter 11. I got mad again this morning because I went and looked at that other book to make sure I wasn't missing anything again. That they took this chapter out of that book, and they took chapter 12 out of it, God's Garden, which are important chapters, very, very important chapters. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. All right. Many ministers today major manner of life and behavior rather than Zoe. All right. Watch how you wear your hair. Girls don't wear no pants. You know, focusing on these things. Listen. Now, people can do whatever they want to do, but God said we need to focus on something else. All right? And he said many ministers major manner of life. If you're not going to major Zoe first, leave manner of life alone. <laughs> because if you just focus on manner of life or what you do, you're going to bring people into guilt, condemnation. You're going to be passing judgment. Start with the basic stuff and what's in the root and the foundation, start with Zoe, eternal life, and then people will understand what they need to do. People won't come into in, in the church with a skirt, you know, just barely getting past their cheeks. Men won't come in with pants that are so tight that they can't hardly walk. And you're seeing everything. They won't do that. People will understand how they need to live. If we let, we, we teach God, people about the God who lives on the inside of them first and tell them what they have first, not what you, you shouldn't do. Tell them what they have first. Amen. Tell us, what, what do we have? Let me know what I have from God first. And that'll take care of everything else. So he said, many ministers today, they major manner of life and behavior rather than Zoe, the life of God, which when received in sufficient measure, lives itself. Paul prayed for the Christians already filled with the spirit that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's in Ephesians 3. This shows that Zoe is God himself and all we have of it is an unsevered part of the life of God. I thought to read more, but this, that's, that's good for right now. All right. So God lives inside of us. We have this life. Jesus came so that we could have life. We could have a share in the divine nature. Second Peter one four. You check all these scriptures out. Second Peter one four. Tells us that we have become partakers of the divine nature. He said there have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right. So he said, because of the promises, we can partake of the divine nature. And by partaking of the divine nature, we do what? We escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, it's important that we become established in righteousness. All right. As we've learned, righteousness and life, they, they, they go hand in hand. But I want you to look with me at the scripture in Isaiah 54. You'll find all through the Bible, even in the Old Testament, God talks to his people about his righteousness and the fact that he means for his righteousness to be the righteousness of his people. He doesn't want you to kind of establish your own, but he wants us to receive that which comes from him. See, he's freely giving stuff, y'all. He's freely sharing of himself with his people. Isaiah 54, verse 14 says, in righteousness, uh, if you choose to be established, oh. he said, in righteousness shall you be established. 
And as a result, you'll be far from oppression, for you'll not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. Verse 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage or the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. And then he says, and their righteousness is of me or comes from me. And then he says, saith the Lord, in case you had to doubt about where it came from. He said, okay, he said, it comes from me. So he said, huh, my righteousness, I'm giving that to you. Now, when we come over into this new covenant, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, going through everything we've gone through. We come over into this New Testament and we find out that the work that Jesus did was to take our place, take our punishment, all that, and then bring us to that place because of his sacrifice that when we receive him, we receive the righteousness of God. Most of us know 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But now let's look at Romans chapter 5. This book of Romans does some things in connecting righteousness and life for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Folks, there's so much that we need to learn about what God has done for us. 517, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness shall do what? Reign in life, or in Zoe, in this life of God, by one, Jesus Christ. So if you receive the grace of God and the free gift of righteousness, then what that does is it puts us in a place of rulership and dominion. I'm just reading the Bible. All right? That's what that free gift of righteousness, then we can receive life from God, and then we're supposed to reign, reign, not R-A-I-N, R-E-I-G-N. Now, I want to read this scripture out of Weymouth's translation. This is so revealing. He says, for if through the transgression of the one individual, death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty... All the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ. So let me ask us a question this morning. If we are believers in Christ, are we supposed to reign in life through Jesus Christ? Or is life supposed to reign over us? First one. So that means there's some dominion, there's some rulership, there's some kingship that has been given to us. This is the Bible. Now, some people may have never read this stuff in the Bible, but it's there. <laughs> Remember, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But that knowledge is in there. So God meant for us to rule and to reign, to receive righteousness, to receive life, and then to rule and to reign. Now, that's nothing different than what started in the beginning. Because when we read Genesis 1, 26 through 28, what does it tell us? He said, God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them be dominated by animals and wicked spirits. Oh, that's not what it says, does it? Uh-uh, it says, let the weather dominate you. Oh. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, let them have dominion. Let them. God just said, huh, y'all do it. Let them have dominion. Not over one another, but over the earth, everything that creeps upon it, everything that flies, everything that swims, and anything that comes on the earth that is outside of the will, plan, and purpose of God. That includes demonic spirits, includes all wickedness, includes Satan or Lucifer or the dragon, the devil, whatever you want to call him, whatever name you want to put on him. He's not the one to have dominion. Okay, now, you know, not, not, remember what we're acknowledging here, because this is important to us. Nothing has changed. When man lost it, 
Jesus came and got it back. In Matthew 28, 18 and 19, before he left, he said, we better read this one together. <laughs> Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Now, remember, Jesus is God, but he also is a man. He's a resurrected man. He was raised from the dead, a resurrected God man. Look at this scripture. He says, Jesus came and spake to them, saying, all power is given to me in heaven and, okay, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's making a statement and a claim here. He's saying, I got it. You're my body. And since you're my body, you got to have the same stuff I have. The head doesn't have one thing, and the body has something else. Didn't you get it this morning? Was your head over there and your body over here? Uh-uh. They were connected. And so wherever you're, you're the pro processes, thought processes in your head, okay, it's time to get up, time to get washed up and cleaned up so we can go to church. Your head said that, and guess what? Your body followed. Your head didn't say, oh, we're going to do that, and um, the body said no, and so your head just <laughs> didn't work that way. The body is supposed to flow with the head. So whatever the head has, the body has. All right, now this is important stuff. So nothing has changed about this dominion thing. Man's authority in the earth is based on God giving it to him and that the fact that he gave man a body. What happens to people when they die? Can their spirits hang around on the earth? They got to go. If you're in Christ, as the Bible says, you depart to be in the presence of the Lord. All right? If you're not in him, well, there's some other arrangements that are made for you. But you can't stay here. You can't stay here. You have to have a body to be here. This is very important. This is why Lucifer, evil spirits, this is why Nephilim, this is why evil wants to have a body to mess with and get into so that it can find expression. That's why people become demon-possessed. The only way, well, there's two ways. The major way that, that the enemy can find expression is to find a way to have a body so he can use whoever it is to express himself. And the other way is to trick believers into using their authority against themselves, and he gets a hold of their tongues and makes them start talking death and disobedience. Now, there's got to be a change in the thinking of the body of Christ. Somebody said, Pastor, I heard you say that before. Yeah, you did. And you're going to hear me say it some more. Because there are things that we have to continue to hear. As the church, and that's not just us here, but those who hear of what we share. Now, you got to hear me correctly. If you don't hear me correctly, you get mad at me, or you might think I'm preaching some kind of crazy heresy or whatever. But you got to hear this. This is very important. A second coming, rapture mentality, in the face of adversity is what has weakened the church's position here in the earth. Why do I say that? Well, because now ever since I understood the scriptures and began to become acquainted with them, put it that way, there was always this talk about the second coming, the rapture, and it seemed like God's people would want to talk more about that when things got difficult. It's like when stuff gets bad in the earth, the Antichrist must be right around the corner peeking, you know, ready to, to just take over. And so they think, Lord, 
deliver me, get me out of here. And, uh, you know, it's time to go, y'all. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be with the Lord. I'm not nixing that. You got to hear me right. But the mentality of watching of what's going on around us, seeing all the evil, seeing all the wickedness, and thinking, man, you know what? He must be coming soon. Let's get out of here. You know what that has done? That has caused many people to be disengaged where dominion and authority are concerned. Now, I, I wholeheartedly believe that it was a design of the enemy to put that into the minds of God's people in that way so that they would not stand up against him and resist him. So I how you know that? Well, look around you. Church has been here over 2,000 years. And how many people do you hear talking like this that are believers? So now, if, if, if we abdicate the throne, if we don't take our place, things are going to happen. Evil and wickedness are going to run rampant. God didn't put us here to be crybabies. God didn't put us here to be crybabies. And to look at what's going on around us and think, you know what? Well, he must be coming on soon. So, you know, let me just make sure I'm, I got my holiness intact. So when he come, I don't get left. Hmm. This thing called our Christian faith is a whole lot bigger than that. Amen. And when, when from the time we read in Matthew 28, when Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And he said, go. Do you think he said that so that his people could be run over? He meant for us to dominate. And when you look at, at some of the parables that he talked about, especially the one we read out of Luke, uh, Luke 19, I believe it is, when he talks about having gone away to receive a kingdom and he left certain abilities and talents and, and, and certain uh, amounts of, of money with, with, certain, with people. And he said, now, what the people were supposed to do is to take what he invested in them and make more, and have something to present to him when he came back for his kingdom. And you know, remember what happened to the one that didn't? He said, well, I just hid what was yours. And uh, so you'd have that when you came back. See, the Lord didn't like that kind of mentality. He said, you're supposed to take what you have, multiply, rule with it, occupy, or do business till I come. Besides that, a lot of the people that cry about getting caught up and taking, if you really believe that, every day of your life you'd be out there pushing the kingdom of God. Exactly. And you'd be out there, hey, listen, y'all, there's a fire coming. Whoa, there's a fire coming. Y'all better get in the house. Get in the house quick. Because if you don't, you're going to get left. If you really believe that. Hello? I mean, well, you, you'd have a fire engine hat on. It'd have John 316 across the top. Boy, you'd have a, you, Acts 1-8 would be across your chest. <laughs> and every day of your life, if you really believe that. And we're committed to it. See, now, this mess that is going on in the world is the church's fault. Evil men, wicked men, they, and seducers, they can get worse and worse and worse, but that don't mean they're supposed to control. I'm telling you folks, before this thing is over, if it takes God having to have a remnant of people that are going to express what he expects to be expressed, it's going to be that way. There's a lot of folk that's going to go home because they won't change the way they think. And God will say, hey, I receive you. You're mine. I'm not going to toss you away. But there are people rising up, even right now, I'm telling you. They're going to stand up in their nations. There are people that are going to stand up and, and are standing up in this nation and are not going to put up 
with all this foolishness going on, come around sticking people in their arms with stuff that's going to kill them and all this kind of stuff. They're not going to put up with that stuff. They're coming against it and not saying, well, you know, it look, looks like the book of Revelation is unfolding. If that's the case, what is that? Does that mean we're supposed to fold up and get out of here? No. Never was evil designed to overcome good. Good is to overcome evil. I don't see Jesus Christ as one sitting around thinking, yeah, man, I, don't, I can't believe this. I invested all this authority in my body, and they let me get beat up all over the place. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm seeing something crazy. I don't know. I can't see that. I can't see him sitting down and saying, I gotta, I'm going to sit down here and I'm expecting my enemies to be made my footstool. That's what he said. Then he said, I sat, he said, I sat down. Hebrews 10, right? I sat down. He said, I'm just expecting my enemies to be made my footstool. If he's expecting his enemies to be made his footstool and he's sitting down, looks to me like the body is to be at work making the enemy a footstool. You know, a footstool, right? It's all you good for is for me to put my feet on. <laughs> Now, check this out, because and then now there's a scripture that has to be fulfilled. I'm not just talking out my ear here. Ephesians 3, from verse 7. Now, don't go out here and say, I said there's no second coming, that I said that there's no rapture, there's no appearing of the Lord. If you say that, you're going to be lying on me. Don't say that. I didn't say that. What I said is that there has to be a different way of thinking in the church. Regardless of what your end time theology is, that makes no difference. And see, that's been one of the issues. Men will argue about pre, post, mid. And that's not, that's not for discussion right now. What is for discussion is what God told us to do while we're here. And if we do what we're supposed to, the other will take care of itself. Ephesians 3. Let's go ahead and start reading from verse 6. I put verse 7 down. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me for the effective working of his, his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, notice this. This is so important to catch to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now, what, what, what do we read in Ephesians six that we wrestle not against flesh and blood? Right. But against what? Principalities, powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. Okay, now listen, here's what, what Paul said about the Holy Spirit here. He said, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning was of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the multifaceted wisdom of God. So if I'm reading right and we're reading the Bible right, these principalities and powers and wicked spirits, all of them that are trafficking through the earth and, and feel like they can do whatever they want to do and mess up God's work, or earth, mess up his plan, mess up the people, mess up nations. It's, if I read this right, the church is supposed to be whom God has to stand up against them and show them the multifaceted wisdom of God. Jesus said, I'm not going to do this myself. I'm not doing this by myself. I have a body. And my body, my church, is supposed to show 
to the principalities and powers. The fact that God brought Jew and Gentile into one body and they're there to dominate and to express the kingdom of God in the realm of the spirit and put the enemy in his place. Just like it was supposed to have happened in the Garden of Eden. It's what Adam was supposed to have done with that serpent when he showed his face. God gave me dominion here under my feet. He went on and said, according to the eternal purpose. God had it in his heart in eternity that the body of Christ was going to exercise dominion and authority and show the wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. Somebody said, well, uh, we'll just wait on the Lord to do it. <laughs> You're going to have a long wait. It's been a long wait. I'll tell you a little secret here in case you hadn't noticed it. Over the past 2,000 plus years, there have been world wars. There have been disturbances. There have been people saying, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Do you know that after the first world war that they called the Great War, that people thought, the Lord's coming. Well, World War I went and passed, it's gone. World War II came. It's bad, it's evil, the Lord's coming. Well, that's gone. Korean War came, Vietnam came. And the church is still waiting on the Lord to do something. And there are all these prophecies all over the place. And each generation gets, just gets books of prophecies about the Lord coming in their generation. The word of God will never go unfulfilled. There is going to have to be a generation of believers that rise up and dominate like Jesus said supposed to do. I'm telling you, this has got to resound all throughout the church world. So I said, well, I thought when Israel became a nation, how do you even know that that was Israel in 1948? Do you see that flag? Do you think that flag belongs to the, to the people of God according to the flesh? No, it don't. It's a hexagon. It belongs to them. It ain't a star of David. So you don't, don't put your hope on that as being some kind of timepiece. I said it. Yes, I said it. I'm trying to stir up junk. Just trying to enlighten people and let them know what's going on. Amen. It's a must that we understand what's going on. Thank you, That's why we had one of them here. I took it down. So, so, oh, you hate the Jews? Nope, 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 nope. Despise Lucifer. And those who have represented him and made covenant with him and given blood oaths to him to deceive the world, they're part of the problem. And that flag is part of the problem because of what it represents. Do your homework. Do your homework. So we're going to have to get back to this book. And we're going to have to put our attention on what God told the church to do while the church is here. And just as passing, if you took 1948 and counted up to 2021, how many years you got? It's a lot more than 40. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to help people think. Just trying to help people think. That's all. Stop being deluded by the enemy. Right. Gotta think. And our starting to think is gonna have a whole lot to do with what goes on. Mm 
And there are areas that we're going to have to tread in. I, like I told y'all guys a number of years ago, there is stuff that looks like it's one way, but it ain't what it looks like. And there's stuff that's going to come out into the open that's going to seem like it's like crazy, but you're going to have to bite and chew on it, take bites, cut your knife, to, <laughs> and chew on it and realize, uh-oh, uh-oh. I've been believing something that ain't been the Bible. And I'm going to have to make some adjustments. See, folks, I, there are a lot of people that are not going to be able to make those adjustments. Not speaking death over anybody, this is just a fact. I've seen it been happening. There are a lot of folks that are not going to be able to make those adjustments. They just won't change. Because they're so, in, just things that have been so ingrained in them, because we've been taught them. And all we did is just receive what we were told and didn't dig into anything more for ourselves. But there's a body of believers. There are people. They're going to rise up <laughs> and have God work through them and tread on the serpents and scorpions like Jesus said we're to do. And over all the power of the enemy. And he said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So that means it's the people that know their dominion, know their authority, know how to walk. And when that booger comes up in his face, in their face, he goes, no, you can't kill me. You can't destroy me. I'm here for the kingdom of God. And I'm the one doing the treading in Jesus' name. And we're going to advance the kingdom right in your face. We're going to get all up in governments. We're going to pray for kings, pray for those in authority, those that ain't right. We're going to snatch them down. And before we're done, we're going to do the will of God. And men will see, and the gospel will be preached to all the world as a witness, not just words, but as a demonstration. We got this, this thing is so powerful. But we're going to have to take steps to put it into motion. And that means like inside of our churches and stuff, we're going to have to get out of them. And we're going to have to start going out into the darkness and challenging the darkness. Get out into the parking lots. Speak loud. Declare the word of God. Go into the middle of stores and restaurants. Lift up your voice and declare the word of God. I'm telling you, the airwaves are just waiting, just waiting for believers to open their mouths and for them devils to get silent so that people can hear what God is saying. Glory to God. Glory to God. Check this scripture out, Romans 8, 19. We're about done here. Romans 8, 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So I said, but I thought that's just future. Well, in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't just future. Why should we have to wait until the other side before there is manifestation of the sons of God? Notice the creation is groaning. All creation is saying, when are the sons of God going to step up? When are they going to show up? God gave dominion to the sons of God. When are they going to show up? When are they going to dominate? When are they going to step up and stop letting stuff be destroyed? When are they going to take their place and get the devils out of people? When are they going to get the sick healed? When are they going to preach the whole gospel? When? Animals crying, they're killing each other, eating each other. When are, when are the sons of God going to stand up? Everything is waiting. Not for God, but it's waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. But I'm waiting on the Lord. 
All creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. See, people can get nervous to talk like that. What has to happen is we have to go back and read the Bible because that's what it says. This whole thing is going to get straightened out sometime or another. It's going to be through the sons of God. Even though Jesus is the Lord, it's going to be through sons of God. All right. Zoe filled words spoken in the name of Jesus will mean everything in these times in which we live. Now, I'm going to read some scriptures that are very familiar to us. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Very familiar to us. But we're going to read through them very slowly. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. And then what did he do? He gave him a name. Talking about Jesus, right? Which is above every name. Now, let's stop there for a moment. His name is above every name. Every name. Now, let's let, roll that around and you meditate it for a little bit. Every name. Every name. Every name. Every name. The reason why we revolve that around is because we have to deal with names of things every day. And there are names of things that come and challenge us every day. There are names that are put on sicknesses and diseases that challenge us every day. There are names that are put on infirmities that challenge us every day. There are roadblocks in life that challenge us every day. Lack, poverty, needs, oppression. Opposition. And sometimes those names are named on people. People have names that are letting those names operate through them. There's the name of Satan. There's Lucifer. There's the dragon. There's, I don't care what name you come up with. What is supposed to be in our thinker is that that name of Jesus is above every name. Every name. Say it with me, please. Every name. Every name. Every name. Just every name, every name, every name, every name, every name, every name, storms, every name, tornadoes. I don't care what name they put on them. It used to be just feminine names. Now they put the guys in there now. <laughs> but it's a name. Hurricanes, hail, wind disturbances, earthquakes. Do you know that Jesus shut down an earthquake? That's right. He shut down a gale of the ground, a seismos, shut it down. And so he just said, peace, be still. It's right there in the scripture. Somebody said, you mean we can do that? I thought the Bible said that there's going to all be all that stuff in various places. Yeah, he sure did. It's coming. It's here. But now, if you're around, will you just settle for it? And say, well, it's Mother Nature. I always thought that was kind of crazy after I started thinking about Mother Nature. What mother would treat her children? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know no mother that comes to destroy her children. <laughs> Something wrong with that, too. But it's a name that's above every name. That at the name or at the sound of that name of Jesus. Notice, every name. Let's just stop there. This is what we have to do. Every name. Every knee shall bow. Every knee. E-V-E-R-Y. Every. Then put in capital letters. Capital E, capital V, capital E, capital R, capital Y. Every. 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 That means even the name of Nicholas Wright. Oh, every knee. Every. 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 And then we start taking it out to the adversities. Every knee. Every name. See, to some Christians, that name is just a name that we put at the end of a prayer saying in the name of Jesus, amen. And it don't mean a whole lot to some believers. It's not just the end of a prayer. It's the name that's above every name. Every name. And every name must bow. Oh, now notice, things in heaven 
uh-oh, things in the earth and things under the earth. So it doesn't matter what realm. They say, well, well, only maybe it'll work only in the earth. No, it won't get down into the abysmos. Uh-uh, ain't no place untouched. Oh, we can't do nothing about the heavenlies. Uh-uh, no, 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 stop right there. Hold it. Stop. Heaven, earth, under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You remember what happened when Jesus was walking on the earth and there were demons that were coming around? And I tell you what, some of them want to cry out and run. They want to cry, oh, you're the son of God. You come here to torment us before the time? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Hmm? Hello. <laughs> Come on now. Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. Just to give you a second witness on this. Thank you, Father. From verse 16. Now check this out. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice, the eyes of your or our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What did he do? Set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where is that at? Far above all. Here we go. Principality and power again. Here we go again. Principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this world. Notice he put this world first. In case we were to think, oh, yeah, in the next age. No. In this age, this time, this world, right now. This is what he says. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet. His feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And notice what the body is. The body is his fullness. Uh Uh-oh. We are his fullness. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So how is the head going to fill everything up? It's going to be through the body. And how's the body going to fill everything up? By walking and treading and moving and going and speaking and blessing and loving and laying hands and declaring. And taking authority and dominion. Marching and moving. <laughs> That's it. We got to be moving. We got we to get moving, y'all. Hey, y'all, we got to get moving. Somebody said, I'm already moving. We got to be moving more. Mm-hmm. We got to get moving. Get out your house. Get out your car. Get out your church. <laughs> get out there. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. Come on now. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody can do something. Including you. (laughs) Yeah, just do that. (laughs) In John 6, 63, Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickens or gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you. They are spirit and they are zoe. They are spirit and they are life. The most abundant thing that we have. And we have to constantly let the Holy Spirit remind us of the importance of what comes out of our mouths. Because the 
dominion and authority is not with the fist. And like my dad says, not with the African soup bone. It's not with the bullets, the bazookas, the bombs. Those are natural things that can destroy. But where the real power is, is what comes out of our mouths. Because death and life are in the power of God. Hallelujah. No. Um, you know, you got that, didn't In the power of the tongue. That's right. That's right. See? Mm-hmm. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Got that quick. I like that. Right? Real quick. And so Jesus spoke words of life. The spirit of God is a spirit of life. And so what we're to do is we're to take this life. One of the things we should do for ourselves is to speak life over ourselves every day. Life is working in me. Life is at work 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 in me. Life comes out of my mouth. Life is at work in me. Life is at, the life of Jesus is manifested in my mortal body. Life, this, this is scripture. Life is at work in me. Hallelujah. Life is at work in me. I speak words of life. So Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. And then last, John 7, 7 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out from his belly shall flow rivers of living water, of zoe water, of life-giving water out of my innermost being. Somebody said, well, is it just going to flow? No, folks, we understand. The way the Bible talks to us, words mean everything. So we're going to have to put our mouth to this life stuff. And out of our innermost being will flow life. And whatever's in the life will start flowing to the people that we talk to instead of strife and death. It'll be love and victory and peace and health and soundness. This is where we're at, y'all. And it's so simple. It just takes us applying ourselves. How about that? (laughs) Thank you, Father, for life today. Thank you for words of life. Thank you for your life inside of us. Thank you for the divine nature in us. Thank you for the promises that you've given us so that we can be partakers, sharers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. So no matter what it is that we may be challenged with or fighting with, we know we have life in us. And so you teach us and help us. And as the struggle and the warfare goes on in the mind, as we speak words of life and remind ourselves of that, it's where we'll win that warfare in our minds. We thank you for that. Now, I want us to do something before we, we go today. There may be someone watching today or may come across this message online. And you might say, you know what, I I hear those words that you're speaking, but Jesus doesn't live inside of me. People in the church talk about being saved. I never did that. What we want to do is to give you the opportunity to do that right now. We've spoken enough life. The plan of God has been spoken as we were talking this morning. The scriptures say that if anyone will believe in their heart, that the Holy Spirit, God the Father, They raise Jesus from the dead and with their mouth will confess Jesus as Lord that they will be saved or they will have life. So all it takes is you deciding, yeah, I believe that he was raised from the dead for me. And so I want that life. And if that is you, we are all going to pray a prayer with you. Everyone in here has done it in some way, form or fashion in their life. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray that with you if you want to. 
So now I want us all, if you don't mind, let's all engage with this camera here, wherever you are. If you're behind it, don't sweat it. But I want you to speak out. We want you to pray this prayer with us. For us, it's an acknowledgement of what we've already done. But for you, it's something that will help you, invite you, bring you into the kingdom of God through your words of your own mouth. I want you to pray this with us. God in heaven, Amen. I've heard words of life today. I've heard someone tell me that what I need to do is to believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And that if I, with my mouth, would declare Jesus is Lord, that I would have life. So in simple obedience to the scriptures, I say with my mouth right now, Jesus you are my Lord. I receive life in me. I receive the nature of God inside of me right now. And I believe from this day forward that you'll teach me. You'll instruct me by the Holy Spirit. And you will bring believers into my life that understand what I've just done and what I've heard today. And you will lead me in right paths where life and salvation are concerned. I'm entrusting that to you right now, right now. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Now, guys, as we go out into the world, we go out as lights that are shining in the darkness. Is that right? And that same simple prayer. There are people that we can bring to life by that. Let's exercise our voices. Speak out. In Jesus' name. Shalom. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.